Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the New Books and Library Science podcast channel on the New Book Networks. I'm your host, Michael Amagna. Today I'm joined by the author of Academic Librarianship, Anchoring the Profession in Contribution, Scholarship, and Service, published in 2021 and out in paperback in 2023 by Roman and Littlefield. This book discusses the issues of professional status for academic librarians, which is always a topic of conversation in the field of library science, but comes at a time with the continued uncertainty as the profession tackles generative AI, the impact of the pandemic, and changes in higher education as a whole. Joining me to discuss this book is author Marcy Simmons, the director of the Hesburgh Library's Organizational and Personnel Development at the University of Notre Dame. Welcome to the podcast, Marcy. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. So before we jump into our discussion of your book, Academic Librarianship, Anchoring the Profession and Contribution, Scholarship and Service, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your path into academic librarianship. Sure. Um, so I have worked at the university for a very long time. I've worked um, at one other university. So most of my experience was has been developed here at the University of Notre Dame. And I have to give credit to them for um, allowing me to do all of the research, everything that I've been through with this organization. It's a really great place to work. So a little bit about my path. It was not normal. Um, It came with a lot of twists and turns, but led me to exactly where I'm supposed to be. I finished a a bachelor's degree in English while working part-time in the evenings at the circulation desk for a number of years as I was raising a young family. Um, Three years later, after completing that degree, I started a master's degree in liberal studies where I focused on Victorian literature, thinking I would continue on to a PhD and teaching. By that time, I was working full-time in the library as a supervisor in access services. Um, I finished that master's degree and I realized that somewhere along the way, I found myself asking, more and more questions about libraries and the profession, where we came from, where we were going. Um, At that time, I was what they called a paraprofessional. I know that name, uh, some like it, some don't like it, uh, but that's what we were called back then. I was a paraprofessional. And um, this was the early 2000s. So academic libraries were already starting to experience struggles maintaining relevance with the continued expansion of the internet. So even within MLS programs, there are questions being raised about the relevance of the profession. Where was it going? Um, what, you know, most people could find information about a book or whatever they need on the internet. That was all starting at that time. And it's also the time when everything changed for me. So I received a scholarship from ACRL, which is the Association of College and Research Libraries, to attend their, it was a support staff scholarship, to attend the ACRL conference in 2005. There, I I was, you know, I was a support staff, but I found that librarians and people with the degree, MLS, PhDs, they listened to me and they welcomed my thoughts and opinions, even though I did not have that coveted degree. And so um, I was like, okay, this is this is pretty cool, and I want to learn more about that. I came home and applied to library school. So I had so many questions and I hoped they would be answered there. 
Some of them were, some of them were not, as anybody who's, you know, gone through a program can probably attest to. It is what you make it. And that's one of the things that I do like about the degree is you can choose your, just like with any degree, you can choose your, um, where, where you want to focus, um, cataloging, um, technical services. My path happens to be um, leadership and management. But my very first semester of coursework, one of my classes, the professor was like, listen, not sure where everybody's going to be in five years. Not sure if this degree is even going to be relevant. And I was like, what? Why am I paying all this money? And why am I putting all this time and effort into it if it's not even going to be relevant? So I took the semester off and I spent that time looking at like reading articles, finding all I could find out. And I would say it was an even mix. A lot of what I read was saying the same thing. So this is 2005, 2006 at this time. And people were saying, not sure we're going to be relevant. I don't know where academic libraries are going. Don't know where public libraries are going. The internet's going to take over everything. We don't have any relevance anymore. And then I found an article by Stephen Bell called Passion for the Passion for Academic Librarianship. Find it, keep it, sustain it, a reflective inquiry. And it was a really great article and basically, you know, said the same thing you would find anyone saying about a profession. It's yours to make of it. If it's your passion, you'll make it your passion. But you've got to feel that, you've got to want it, and then you've got to sustain it. And then the last line of the article says, um, I have great, he says, I have great confidence that academic librarians can meet these challenges and continue to create advances as we explore new roles for our libraries and ourselves. To my way of thinking, it is our passion for academic librarianship that will fuel the future of our profession, to which I wholeheartedly agreed and then went back to my coursework and that's where my passion for the profession just continued to grow. Well, that's that's excellent. I, I'm I'm shocked that you had a, a library school professor say that to you, um, but I, I'm glad you persisted. Uh, and so we can see what really sparked your interest in this topic. And this is a conversation that many academic librarians have regarding our status within our own institution and the nature of our profession as a whole. Um, you start your book with a discussion of the profession of librarianship. As you found, just defining what it means to be a profession and a professional can be difficult. So what did you find when you traced the history of this question? So this actually is the question that I've been trying to answer since I started working in the library. Most of my time in this library and uh, at Ball State University, was the other library I was at, was spent within access services, circulation, stacks, interlibrary loan, sometimes reference. And that meant that I was always working closely with librarians. Here at Notre Dame, our librarians have faculty status with promotion and rank, no tenure. So there's always been a distinction here between staff and faculty. And I was fascinated to learn that depending on who I asked about this distinction, I would get a different answer. Some colleagues felt very strongly about the distinction. Um, the professionalism required to work directly with tenure track faculty and the degree. Others were more on the side of what matters is that we're all doing good work. We all work together. That's what's important. But 
um, I, I'm trying to think how the best way to say this. So in addition to those questions, I was also interested in leadership and management. So in my coursework, I focused my electives on academic librarianship, leadership and management, and uh, was already asking questions about status, how leaders could and should respond and prepare for the remarkable changes that were impacting library workers that had been impacting us from the beginning of our future and that would continue to impact us in the future. So I started collecting every article I could find on leadership, um, changes in the profession, how they started, how it's going, what we should be worried about, and just was collecting and collecting and collecting. And at one point, I remember a colleague had come to me and said, um, we were both newly minted librarians. So we were, of course, working on publishing and contribution and thinking about all those things. And she, I had this, this table in my office where I was collecting all my articles. And she said, hey, I wondered if you wanted to like work with me on an article or something and maybe we could talk about topics. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. Here's what I've been doing. And I had three large file folders filled with these articles that I hadn't really been reading. I was just collecting them because I thought I'm not buying time to do this work. And and th this is my research. And she looked at it and was like, um, yeah, no. So you, you've got your, your, you need to do this. I'll do my, my thing over here, but you've got, and we talked a little bit about what I was looking for and what all the articles were on. And she was like, that is something that really needs to be researched. You need to finish that. So, um, <laughs> there, when I started actually reading the articles, I also found this, like there was no consensus. Some of the articles were like, as a leader, what's more important is that and we all do great work. It doesn't matter. The status doesn't matter. And then other leaders were like, no, no, it matters, especially in an academic library where you are working closely with tenure track faculty. If you want them to be, um, I don't, if you want them, if you want to be able to prove yourself, basically, that you can hang with them and um, work with them, then you really have to have the credentials. So um, the, I was fascinated by the end of going through these articles and I was at this point I was just kind of skimming and making little notes and there weren't a whole lot of books written about it but was reading those as well and I came to uh, like at some point I was like okay the conclusion I had come to was I need to go all the way back to the history how how did we start what did those beginnings look like how did we get to where we are today because I just couldn't fathom the fact that there was no answer. Like there was no um, yes. And then it kind of clearly or became muddy along the way. It was just yes and yes or maybe not. No. And that's where the idea for the book came from. Oh, that's that's excellent. That's excellent. So as we think about librarianship as a profession, you have an excellent point in, in your first chapter where you talk about how race and gender fit into the discussion. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, how race and gender fit into the discussion of librarianship as a profession and kind of throughout the history and what that means. Yeah. 
So there is a lot to unpack here, and it may actually be the topic, the next topic that I focus on. I haven't decided yet, but like just putting one page in this book about it was not nearly enough. And now today, so when I, when it was published, we were just starting to hear about, you know, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. And then people started really digging into race and um, gender's always been a question for this profession. So I, again, was just, I, I, I can't comprehend. Well, there's, a, there's a, so much there and I'm really not an expert, but I know that there are a lot of experts who are talking about higher education and race and um, how gender fits in because, you know, early universities most were mostly made up of male students. Women weren't allowed. And then when we were allowed, it was, you know, a little bit that uh, we struggled a little bit. And then to add race on top of that, there are even more struggles. So I don't have, I don't feel like I have the expertise to be able to talk about that fully. What I can say, what I know in the work that I do now is we do not, like we are a highly white, um, females, female male is skewing now more than it was before, but profession. And despite years of trying to, trying to, um, invite, bring more people of color into the profession, we have made very little ground. So we have a lot of work to do there. There are a lot of good people doing work in that area, Katrina Kendrick Davis, I'm a huge fan of the work that she's doing on low morale, especially for BIPOC people of color, and um, would love to work with her and others who are doing this work to, to unpack these questions. But it definitely plays uh, a role in our past and our present, and will continue to do so in the future. The other thing I can say is um, like how we look at hiring because that's a large part of my role is super important to this discussion as well. And there are great people that are doing, again, good things, including, I have to say, our Dean, Dr. K. Matthew Baines. He joined us in 2021. And one of the first things that he asked me to do as the, basically to shorten my title, it's like director of talent here in the library, is we had to put um, we had to put things in place that would eliminate bias as much as possible to our search process. And we are doing that with some really great success. So that is also something that I, I wish more of our li academic library organizations would be focusing on is how we can eliminate bias, um, just be more supportive, more understanding, admit our privilege, and then move forward together. No, that's a that's a great point. And, you know, we can see some of those barriers to entry that you're talking about. Uh, but, you know, central to any profession is a set of criteria for entry into that profession. And so can you discuss a little bit about the history of the MLS, the MLIS, the MS? <laughs> And how it became seen as the terminal degree for librarians. Yeah. So this also, um, again, 
you know, you think that would be an easy answer, but it was not. So the, the quick answer is in 1975, ACRL, which is, you know, division of ALA, which by the way, the American Library Association is our premier professional association. So in 1975, ACRL approved the MLS as the appropriate terminal professional degree for academic librarians. However, shortly after that, there were like, it sparked a huge debate. People said they were just starting to talk about, um, should it be a PhD? Um, we need other people in the profession, not just MLS. So how do we invite, um, you know, people with subject matter expertise beyond library expertise and what does that look like? So that's another thing that I'm interested in because here at Notre Dame, we fairly recently, I think it's been about 10 years now, I found maybe a little more than that, but we didn't, we only had MLS degree librarians and on our faculty, we didn't have before PhDs. And then, um, we hired the first person with a PhD and not an MLS because they had a specific subject expertise that one of the programs and schools and colleges was looking for within the library. So again, starting to talk with, at this point, I think now we have 10 PhD librarians. Half of them have the PhD and an MLS and the other half don't. So I've tried talking with each of them about like, why did you get the MLS and the PhD? Um, was it, do you think it was worth it? And again, I get a variety of answers. So this debate has uh, been going on since the beginning. In the beginning of our profession, uh, and those who've read the book, and I, I won't go through the whole thing, but you know, it was mostly professors who were asked to maintain the library and then they brought in their secretaries or assistants to help them. So um, the work was seen as not very as trivial, not very important. But even in the very beginning, like the quote that I start chapter one with, or chapter two, I'm sorry, the question of status, um, there were presidents of universities who said, absolutely, library librarians who should have the rank of professor. And there were there was a lot of support for that. And then it just never really carried into, yes, everybody supports that. Everybody agrees with that. Um, so the first thing that came along were like uh, not even bachelor's degree programs. They were certifications that somebody could get to work in the library. And then there weren't ever really a lot of bachelor's degrees. We went right to the MLS. So again, I find that very fascinating. There's not enough in this book about that. I would love to continue researching that. But I think to understand and discuss the MLS, we really have to focus on the status question. Because what I found in the most interesting with this book is every, uni every university that has an academic library can create their own status or make their own decisions about what librarians look like. So in some academic libraries, 
uh, librarians are professional staff, and some of them do require an MLS professional staff, some of them don't. Some institutions have tenure track status for their librarians. Um, some have status like ours. It's a very specific status just for libraries or librarians that was created here at Notre Dame. And we have rank and promotion. And then there are, um, I think there's another one, there's uh, faculty status that is um, rank. So anyway, there's a variety of options. And because each institution can create their own definition, I think that's a part of the problem. So here at Notre Dame, uh, in order to be considered a, to, to have faculty status, you have to have the terminal degree for your professional subject. And for us, we say, according to the ALA, that is an ALA accredited Master of Library Science degree. So that allows us to have this library status as library faculty, librarian status as library faculty. Um, but unless there is going to be a push for every academic library to have the same definition, I don't know that we'll be able to solve this question, answer the question, solve the issue. Um, and I know that doesn't really, you asked about how it became the terminal degree and I went into status because the only thing we know about how it became the terminal degree is this ACRL policy that was approved in 1975 and has continued to be approved since then. But but it's a very interesting history. And as you're talking through that issue, it's really important for academic librarians to think about this, that, you know, every institution can determine the status of their librarians however they see fit. And you brought up the 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 PhD or doctoral degree. And, and we know that there are more and more PhD programs and doctoral programs in library science. Do you, you know, through your research and as you're thinking about the profession in your role at Notre Dame, do you, do you ever see the PhD in library science becoming the terminal degree in the future? And do you think there's a benefit to that for academic librarians? So I, I'm up to minds on this question. I am a very firm believer, believer if nothing else. What my education and the people that I talked to have said um, that really got something out of their education is it opens your eyes to like just asking why. I'm a constant wire. Oh, why do we do things that way? Why did you say that? Why, why should we consider doing it that way? And I believe that was instilled in me through education. So whether it's a bachelor's degree, a master's or a PhD, you start out wanting to get, you know, these, this uh, education to better yourself or whatever. And then I think you start asking yourself questions and you want to find out the answers. So then that leads to more education and the opportunity that a master's program, which again, not all of the library mass MLS programs, MLS MLIS programs require a research component, but more and more of them are, especially lately as it's become more important. So to me, the like the requirement to do research, to do um, like ask a question and 
find out the answer as minimally or maximally as you can is what is one of the greatest things about education, higher education. Um, and uh, my son, I have to plug my son because he's getting a PhD in physics. And he is another great example of like higher education and how finding the right thing is so important. And this, I will loop this back to the question about PhDs or MLS is he was originally getting, going to get a master's for um, physical therapy. He had to take the physics class and the professor in that class said to him at the end of the semester, you know, you're really good at this. You might want to consider doing it more. And so he was like, hmm, all right, yep. I, I do like it. I enjoy it. So he applied for the master's program and he got in. And that led to like, he started asking questions about, well, how does this work? And why does the math work here? And why does the math work there? Which led to, I want to get a PhD so I can find all the answers to this question. And I think the same thing about library science. It's just like any other subject. If someone continues to have questions about something within that profession, absolutely, you consider should consider a PhD program. Um, but in the meantime, though, as long as the MLS is still considered a terminal degree, I think it also is equally, like, gives us what we need. So what I... I already had an, a master's degree in, um, you know, liberal studies, Victorian studies, and found myself, okay, I answered all of those questions. I don't need to learn anything more about Victorian studies. I need to learn more about librarianship. That's what's important to me. So what matters is that we are finding things that are interesting in the programs, in those courses, in the profession itself that will enable us to find passion and serve the people that we are in this profession to serve. No, that's a great point. And I kind of want to pull on the thread of the, the doctoral degree a little bit more because you had mentioned at Notre Dame and you touch on this in your in your book, um, you know, those entering the field of librarianship without the MLS, without that, you know, uh, credential that's required for entry into the profession uh, is 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 hiring PhDs with a subject matter expertise outside of library science. Does that hurt the profession overall? Do you think? So this is that is a question. One of my very good friends here, who has a PhD, she was hired as a subject librarian, and she says she went back to get the MLS because. She realized working in a library with that subject expertise did not help her understand how a library works. So she knew how to work with faculty. She knew her subject area, but it was important to her to go and get the MLS to help her understand the beginnings of libraries, how her work was um, enabled by that knowledge as she does her work as a subject librarian. And um, we we talked when she started the program with we She's one of my very dear friends. And at the end of it, uh, because again, you know, she had gotten her PhD and was still paying off her student loans. So she was like, I just added another round of student loans to this, you know, degree. And I said, 
do you think it was worth it? And she said, absolutely. And most of the people that I talk to say the same thing. Like having the MLS, even if I have a PhD, is definitely helping me be a better librarian. So does, if we hire people with PhDs outside of library science, does it hurt us? I thought that in the beginning, but I think the combination of the two, if we're going to do that, is the best middle ground because people, in fact, I know a couple other PhDs that we've hired who have said, I would love to go back and get an MLS, but I have family, I have these other obligations, but they feel like it would really help them be able to do their job better. So I know that's not everywhere. I know there are, you know, people with PhDs who are like, don't need that little MLS. But my experience, people that I've talked to who have both have definitely said that it is, um, makes a difference. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that as a professional librarian, um, <laughs> that they see the value in that, that degree. Uh, and this kind of leads into conversation in your book um, about academic status, and you've touched on it a bit in our conversation so far. You know, you, you've you had, you know, library directors and deans that say, well, status doesn't matter, you know, as long as we're all doing good work. But, you know, what did you find in terms of academic status? Does it matter? And I will say one of the great things when I was reading that chapter is that you're able to pull some statistics out because that's yeah. often a conversation, How you know. How many librarians, you know, are uh, have faculty status with tenure, uh, faculty status without tenure, are in an administrative position or in a professional staff position? So, you know, kind of, can you talk a little bit about that faculty status and then maybe tie it into, do you think a doctoral degree gives librarians as a profession more leverage to to demand that that professional status, that faculty status with tenure? The great question. So um, I, that is one of the things that I I will say that I loved about the chapter is being able to find some facts because that's what I've been searching for the whole time was where are the facts? What can I point to, to help, you know, people understand, to help myself understand what I've been searching for. And I think Again, it goes back to the fact that we don't have a standard definition that all academic libraries should use. So, you know, at a place maybe like, I was going to say Harvard, but I I think their librarians, if I remember correctly, are professional administrative staff. Um, But there are there are places where that that degree, that credential, it just matters more. And I don't think, I don't know if we'll have a, if we'll be able to change their minds. So those are the places where I could imagine the conversation about requiring a PhD, that's where that starts. So if the status really matters, um, PhD is the ultimate credential. However, there's a lot of talk right now in higher education about credentials, tenure. What does that look like? So I think there's going to be other questions that we need to answer that will be a part of our future um, that will help me have a better answer to that question. All of higher education, everything that I see in my world, which is, you know, thinking about the organization of the academic library as a whole, 
the things that are top of mind right now are, do we have enough leaders to take over? Because the grain of the profession started 20 years ago. And as things happen and as the world changes, more of those leaders are opting out. So do we have enough people with uh, leadership and management experience to lead our libraries, in, especially in higher education? That's really important right now. Bringing in more people of color, that's the second thing. Um, and just like navigating this post-pandemic world, what's been really interesting here at Notre Dame, we started renovating our spaces almost 10 years ago. And they were, the first phase was reopened, I think like 2018. So, you know, we had all these great spaces and students were flocking to the library. And then COVID happened and then we were closed. And when we opened, people were like, are they going to come back? Do people, are they still looking for library as space and place? Does that matter? And at least here, they came back. We have some really beautiful spaces. We continue to open beautiful spaces. And we are seeing them used by students love them. So that's one of the questions, you know, about post-pandemic, what our academic libraries look like. But there are so many others that we need to be thinking about. And I think that's going to usurp the thoughts about whether it should it be an MLS, should it be a PhD? And um, that's what I'm anticipating. Does that answer your full question? Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> And, and, you know, another part of your book is talking about service and service to the profession. And, and you know, often when academic librarians think about professional associations, they immediately think about the Association for College and Research Libraries, ACRL. Yeah. Uh, and you've already mentioned that. And, of course, that's part of the American Library Association, ALA. And so as we think about our conversation with um, subject area expertise and subject area uh, PhDs, uh, in addition to an MLS, you know, how should academic librarians think about service to the profession? Should that be service to an organization like ACRL as part of ALA? Or should we broaden that out and include discipline-specific associations, you know, related to academic disciplines a librarian may liaise to? And mm -hmm. is there value in that? Yeah, actually, that's another great question. And that's one that I have asked my colleagues because I do have, um, so we have a new, newly minted MLS librarian who is an architecture archivist. And while her uh, MLS gave her the archives credentials, architecture is in her background. So she is, she really wants to be involved in the um, associations for that part of her, uh, to, to help fulfill that part of her professional um, service. And when she asked this question, if that would be okay, I said, you know, I think, and again, there's debate, but my personal opinion is that it helps us broaden our perspective. And it does allow, like with my other friend who had the PhD in the MLS, it helps her do both better so she's got a foot in both worlds she has to know about this and what's really important and what's happening in this area and it's really important for her to know what's happening in this area and also because uh she's a new librarian 
she's also wanting to do both. She wants to do, you know, this, this specialty over here and do service over here in ALA or another company like Arliss, I think was one of their um, groups. So I, I think it's personally, I think it broadens our perspectives and our learning about each other and how we work together. And I'm always a fan of that. that that's excellent. And, you know, you, you've kind of touched on this, but, you know, your work really centers this conversation uh, with, with the historical discussion of each of these topics, you know, tracing the history through the, you know, what it means to be a profession, the education requirements, uh, things like that. Um, and you do touch on generative AI, you do touch on the pandemic, you, you've mentioned students coming back to the library since the pandemic, but where do you see academic librarianship moving forward as a profession, you know, with the technology and societal changes and even the changes in higher education in general that are happening right now? Oh, that's the big one. Um, when I first, when I finished the book, my goal was, um, let's see, there is a section on like the new things that were, that I was, that I was seeing in like 2019, 2021 were how the, the workforce is changing, like libraries place, you know, libraries are buying more electronic now than print and all of those changes. Um, and then emotional labor, imposter syndrome, workplace morale, that's, those are big topics. I think those aren't going to go away anytime soon. Learning and development, recruitment and retention of diverse workforce. And then at the end of it, I say there, like we should have a shared understanding around a framework that we could all get behind. That's what I think is the most important and what is needed. And I have a couple of suggestions. I have been scouring the research ever since to see if anybody is doing anything like this, like trying to, you know, build a framework or um, like begin to create a shared understanding. I'm not finding it. So, so when AI happened, and everybody, like, that's all I could see everybody was talking about. I was like, okay, forget the framework. Now everybody is going to be worried about uh, artificial intelligence and is it going to take our jobs away? Are we still going to be needed? But what I am seeing, which is one of the things that I love about the profession, is the people who are, like, responding to those questions and criticisms with the same sort of response that Stephen Bell had. Listen, here's what AI here's what AI can do. Here's what it can't do. Here's what we will always need. Here's what I can provide that AI can't provide. So I continue to hope for and root for those of us who are like, yeah, yeah, that's important. And it's going to be change that we need to pay attention to. But how can we use that to our advantage? How can we use it where it's going to be useful and then how can we use the time that we don't have to spend doing those things in other areas that will be more meaningful and more impactful um and we're looking at those things every library is looking at them specifically here at notre dame we had a university sponsored buyout just before the pandemic 
So we still aren't up to the same capacity that we were before then because we couldn't hire after the came back because of the pandemic. And then we had a new leader. So it takes a little bit of time. We're getting up to speed. But what I love about our focus is we're looking three to five years ahead. We're not looking back. So for the people who were afraid about, we don't have as many print books that we're ordering. Those people don't have enough work to do. My response to them is, but what do you, what else do you want to learn? What else do you want to know? This is your opportunity. I understand that's your life, that that's what you've known for the last 10, 15, whatever years. But now there's an opportunity to learn something new. Most of the time that gets people excited and they're like, you know what? I would actually like to know a little bit more about X. Or is it possible for me to learn about Y and do something new? Absolutely. So that's where I choose to focus on like thinking about all of the changes that are impacting us. By the way, I should have said earlier, I am a change champion on the very end of the scale. Like I'm all for it. If people say, let's change this, I'm like, yes, let's do it. Let's do it right, but let's do it. Um, so that's one of the things that I love about these things that are happening and about the unknown because they offer opportunities. How we respond to those opportunities is what is going to make or break us in the future. So uh, Notre Dame was just invited and became a member of AAU last year. So that meant a whole new opportunities for us to think about research and how do libraries respond to the research that the university is doing? How can we impact that work? So all of the changes that are coming our way, and I know they're coming because if this profession is nothing if not change champions, like we have found ways to meet and exceed in most areas, the challenge of change. Some will disagree with that, but that is one area when I was researching my first book, the academic library metamorphosis and regeneration where i found that there were more people who said yes but okay we didn't get on that bandwagon as early as we should have but we are responding and we're growing and we're learning because that's what we do and that's what i will continue to love about this profession i couldn't agree more with you we are an agile profession if anything yes, love exactly. the term change champions that's great what a <laughs> what a great way to say it you know and these are conversations that have been happening for decades right right yeah I, you know i i don't want to take up too much of your time so i want to thank you for you taking the time to speak with me about your book uh it's it's so relevant to our profession and as we're wrapping up our time together, and you kind of mentioned some areas of future research, I was wondering, what projects are you currently working on? Will you continue to explore the, the topics related to academic librarianship as a profession, or are you going to head in new directions with your research? So, great question. I, like I said, I'm always asking why. I have a lot of ideas that I've already started. One of them is like race and gender. Like I started my, you know, education career started in Victorian literature. So I've always been interested in gender and what that means. So that's one area that I'm looking at. Um, I'm also very interested in seeing where this next uh, metamorphosis of our profession is going to go. And nothing has quite 
sparked my interest there. I'm just kind of watching it to see what's going to happen. And um, then the last area is still one of the things that I would love to see us get better at is we don't toot our own horns enough. We don't share our stories enough. And I know that we're busy. People are doing five jobs. But that's why the contribution and scholarship piece was that my favorite chapter in this book, because like that's how we will live on and continue to like just be a profession is by sharing what we've done, how we did it, so that others can learn from it and expand on it, do better, whatever. But I'm like that's a, a another thing that kind of is rolling around is is there something that I could do? Is there research around like how can we just get more of our people that work in academic libraries to appreciate and understand the importance of sharing, telling our own stories and creating um, best practices so that others don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. And uh, that's kind of rolling around there also. It will definitely, whatever it is, it will definitely still be in um, librarianship. Well, these sound like great areas of future research, and I'm looking forward to, to reading them when you when you get them out there <laughs> in Bulbas and Marcy. They really are great. I really want to thank you for your time today. I truly enjoyed this conversation. It's a conversation we always have as professionals in library science. I'm Michael LaMagda, and thank you for listening to the New Books and Library Science podcast channel on the New Book Network. Thank you.